Can I have that um, last song up there, that uh, one we were singing about? Uh, me? Pardon? In the arms of my Father, where your love is as free as the air. Where a smile is never rare and your love is as free as the air. Isn't that a good thing? That's just, you know, if there's, a, if there's an idea that, uh, that you have when coming into church, is that it's just like breathing, you know? Love is just like breathing. It just is wonderful to be in God's presence. Amen? Amen. Yeah, okay. I'm the only one. Okay. His love is as free as air. Amen? Amen. All right. All right. So you agree with me. Good. Children can be dismissed for children's church. Um, is it warm in here? Is it okay? All right. All right. Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, verses 12 to 16. And also, you can put your finger in Daniel chapter 3. We'll get there a little later. Mark chapter 14, beginning at verse 12. Now, if you read the uh, devotionals that we um, give out, (coughs) excuse me, you'll find that um, this was uh, Friday, September 17th devotional that uh, I was reading it and I thought how much it would uh, help us in our partnership or our communion with God. So uh, we were talking about the last six, eight weeks about honoring God and how that giving honor is uh, uh, giving respect to uh, uh, giving time for. And one of the ways of it spoke of honoring is that um, one, the, Greek, the Greek would be that I have time for you. Like if you're giving honor to someone, it's like you're taking time to speak with them. To dishonor would be I don't have time for you. So whenever we are honoring God, we are giving time for him. We're giving time for his word or time for prayer. And so whenever we honor God, we are giving place to his word in our life. How that the scriptures have an effect upon how we think and say and do and what we, where we go and all those things. So whenever we are thinking of honor, we're thinking of giving place to God. So this is, this is kind of the principles that we've been looking at for the last six, eight weeks. Um, in in uh, Mark chapter 14, beginning in verse 12, I want to read... On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go and make preparation to, for you to eat the Passover? So he, t- so he sent two of his disciples and telling them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house he enters, the teacher asks, Where is my guest room? Where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. He will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. Make preparation uh, for us there. The disciples left, went into the city, and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. Now, the disciples left, went into the city, found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. The primary meaning of the Greek word, now we, we were seeing how that Jesus was 
the Passover lamb, and you know he's the, and we'll talk about that in just a minute about how the Egyptians and how that the they, they the first Passover, but Jesus and his disciples were getting ready to celebrate Passover, and Passover is a celebration where the lamb was sacrificed, and um, that it it, it was a, a symbol of the sins being forgiven for the nation. Well, Jesus on Passover night had communion with his disciples. And communion, according in the Greek, means partnership. Now, if, if we think about our communion with God, do we think of it in the concept of partnering? That I am a partner with God. That I am partnering with God. That, you know, we, I, I, I've spoken many times about um, who is our encourager? Who is your partner? Who do you partner with to, to move through, go through your life, deal with your circumstances, deal with your problems? Sometimes we say, oh, it's our husband or our wife, and, and that, that's good partnering. But I want to know who is your partner? Do we recognize that the partnership that we have is not only in a physical sense, but also in a spiritual sense? That God has offered us encouragement in his word that he is partnering with us, that we are not alone in this. You know, I, I, and the story that I, I remember that I've used with this many times is how many coaches does Tiger Woods have? Now, now we, this was back a few years ago when I did this, so some of you may say, I don't care about Tiger Woods, but that's okay. How many coaches does Tiger Woods have five years ago? All right? Anybody remember? Anybody remember how many he had? Five. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Tiger Woods has five coaches. Why would the guy who is the best at what he does have five coaches? Well, he needs individuals who are always encouraging, critiquing, and helping him at his game. How many coaches are on the sideline for the Steelers? How many coaches are on the sideline at, for a high school football game? You know? How many, co- why? Why are there so many coaches? Because everyone can focus then, and what are the, what are the, the, the aspect of a coach is to, to give skills, train and teach for a player to develop the skills that they already have. Now, you cannot give people talent, but you can develop the talents they have. God has instilled in each one of us it's a package deal, okay? While you were yet in your mother's womb, God formed you. He knew you. He put ever all the ingredients in there. It's prego, okay? <laughs> you know, you should look at prego and say, that's me. Why? Because it's in there, all right? You're prego. Everybody say, I'm prego. You don't believe that, do you? No. <laughs> all right, so you're just a bunch of red sauce, okay? <laughs> but, if, uh, uh, but anyhow... The idea is that it's in there. It's inside of you. It's there. God put all the ingredients in there. Now, how do we get the ingredients out? How do we take what is inside of us and develop it to the extent that it gets out and it affects its surroundings? What's the, what's the idea? What do you use prego for? To make spaghetti. How many put a straw in the sauce and sip it? <laughs> Yeah, I saw a hand. <laughs> you don't put a straw in the prego and sip it. 
You mix it with the spaghetti. Why? Because it flavors the spaghetti. You know, you don't drink it. You put it on a sauce, you put it in, mix it with the spaghetti. Well, you're a prego. How do you mix your life? And you see what we're doing? We're mixing our life. And how do we mix it properly? So the primary meaning of communion, that we have the communion of saints partnering with one another. We have, a, we have communion with Christ partnering with one another. That we have a responsibility with and for God to be connected, to have enter into a partnership. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. That's what the scripture says. Um, that he commissioned his people. He commissioned us to go and to do the will of the Father, partnering with God, that we are joint heirs with Christ. Joint heirs, meaning that we are partners with Christ in the inheritance. I and you, you and me, I will never leave you nor forsake you is the promise. You have not chosen me, said that one. Uh, Partnership is God has partnered with us to proclaim his word and for the proper proclamation of the word, It is that it is to be a part of us. It is to be a part of who we are, a part of this whole process of our life, the mixing of the prego with the spaghetti. How many are a bunch of loose noodles? (laughs) You need a little sauce. Not that kind of sauce. (laughs) There are some people who specialize in the sauce. Not not that kind of sauce. We're talking about the prego, all right? That we have the prego in our life. All right, so partnership. God has partnered with us. So the amazing thing about this is whenever we look at the first Passover. Now, the first Passover is was whenever Israelites were in Egypt. The Israelites were in Egypt, and they were being held captive there after so many generations, 400 years, that they were in Egypt. There was 400 years of this Uh, captivity or this growing to become a nation. And the Egyptians had enslaved the uh, Israelites and they were basically torturing them and, you know, the whole uh, oppression was going on. And so Moses was sent to free them from the bondage. Well, the last plague that was going to come upon the Egyptians for them to decide to let the children of Israel go free from Egypt was the plague of the angel of death and that the angel of death was going to take the firstborn, the firstborn of, of, of the Egyptians. All right, so the Egyptians then, uh, when God said to Moses and told Pharaoh, let my people go, you know, Charlton Heston does it very good, you know. Let my people go. Okay, it's not me. That was Charlton Heston. Um, the children of Israel had something that they were to do. They were to take the lamb and they were to slay the lamb and put the blood of the lamb upon the doorposts of the home so that the angel of death would pass over, okay, pass over, the celebration of Passover, when the angel of death passed over the homes in which the blood of the lamb was applied. So the Israelites then put the blood of the lamb upon the doorpost of the home. What was going on? God was partnering with the children of Israel to set them free from the bondage that they were suffering or had in Egypt. He was partnering with them. 
They could not set themselves free from the Egyptian bondage. They were partnering with God, and God was going to do a work in the lives of the Israelites, and he was going to do a work in the Egyptians so that there would be a separation. In the same way, Jesus introduced his disciples to the preparation of Passover at the supper, that they would share in the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ. And that's that Passover night Jesus had with the disciples, that Passover meal, Jesus was telling them, this is my body, this is my blood. And you are partaking of this partnership that I am establishing with you. Because there is no way that you and all of us who would believe and follow that, uh, the, the, the faith that is established in Christ, there is no way that we can separate ourselves from sin except through a partnering with Christ. So we are partner, We are entering into this partnership. And God has been doing this for thousands of years. This is not a new principle. This has been in place for thousands of years where God partners with us to separate us from the things that would hold us captive. Our sin. Our way of thinking. Our way of looking and approaching life. That the Spirit would come make and make real to us This revelation of the word of Jesus Christ, the word of God made flesh, that he would come and partner with us. Now, when, you know, sometimes my partner (laughs) corrects me. Of course, I know that I'm right and she's wrong. (laughs) She goes, no. But not really. Uh, but what happens in the partnership is that sometimes we look at it and sometimes, you know, we're trying to be encouraging and we're not encouraging. You think that's encouraging? You know, that's what she, she told me. I told her sometimes years ago whenever I, I said, dear, you know, I'm a, I'm a professional counselor and people pay me for my advice and you get it for free and you don't listen. <laughs> she just didn't get that whole concept, you know. And she did the same thing. Well, you know, people pay me to teach, and I'm trying to teach you, and you won't listen either. You know? But the partnership that we have is one that is really mutually encouraging. It's a mutual encouragement, a mutual that we are doing the right things for the right reason and being an encourager. Think about this. When Jesus Christ is our partner, what is he doing? He's encouraging us. And, and, and God is not one to, uh, you know, sometimes people say, they, they, you know, why go to church? I can, I can feel bad enough on my own. <laughs> and really, to be in church and to be hear the word of God and to sing about the scriptures is to be an encouragement to our lives. It's to be an encourager that God is trying to encourage us to launch out, to uh, unleash all of the potential that is inside of us. All that is inside of us, God knows what's in there. And he knows the talents and he knows the abilities and he knows the treasure that's inside of you. And how do we get the treasure out? Well, the beatings will continue until the attitude changes. (laughs) No. The love and the encouragement will continue 
until you get it right. The love and the encouragement will continue because we have entered into a partnership with a God who loves us more than we could ever imagine and who desires for us the best of our life and and the best for us in life. God knows exactly what you are capable of doing. He knows exactly what your abilities are. He knows exactly what he has planned for you. And he wants us to discover that. He wants us to discover what that is. And so as we enter into a partnership with him, communion, we find God being our encourager, being the one who is there working with us to accomplish the goals for which he created us. A partnership, communion. It's an eternal partnership. It's an eternal partnership. God, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. And in the communion that we, we, we take, you know, we receive communion, you know, the first Sunday of each month. And the scripture talks about how that Jesus said, I will not partake of this again, the fruit of the vine, until I do to new it with you in my Father's kingdom. So God is entering into a partnership with us that not only is here and now, but is for an eternity. And he wants to be with us, and he wants you and I to be with him. That's quite a partnership. He likes you. <laughs> he likes me. How many of you like you? <laughs> Thank you. That is Brian. How many of you like you? You know, Do you really like yourself? You know, you look in the mirror and you go, boy, you're good looking. You don't do that, huh? Yeah, <laughs> some do. All right, uh, but we would say, well, you know, that's being stuck up, and uh, we don't want, what's that? You're so vain, you know. Well, when God looks at us, what does he say? Yeah, he can't take his eyes off of you. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you so much he can't take his eyes off of you. He's infatuated with you. How long has it been since you've been infatuated with someone? <laughs> you know? How long has it been since we've been infatuated with someone? And the idea is that God never gets tired of you. He never gets upset with you. God has never had one negative thought about you. Now that's a partner. <laughs> God has never had one negative thought about you. He is our greatest encourager. You see, we are partnering with him. And so when Israel partnered with God in the first Passover, Israel could not deliver itself from the bondage, could not deliver itself from the slavery. God partnered with them to do the impossible. And as they lived in obedience to his word, they found themselves delivered from the captivity that they couldn't deliver themselves from. So there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. We're held captive. But Jesus is the Lamb of God that will free us, partner us, to take us from where we are held captive in our thinking, in our sin, in our actions, and he is going to free us 
so that we can find a freedom to be the person that he created us to be. So as Israel could not set itself free from the Egyptian bondage, God partnered with Israel to set them free. God now partners with us. In the book of Daniel, I told you to turn there, Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. Daniel chapter 3, 16 to 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and to bed we go. Did you ever hear that one? You never heard that one. Shadrach, Meshach, and to bed we go. No. All right, so. All right. Thank you, Ruth. Thank you for your laughter. <laughs> Got it? All right. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, <laughs> O Nebi, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this manner. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Now, we're going to get finished that in a little bit. But Nebuchadnezzar made a decree. He made a decree that all the people were to bow down and worship a golden image. And when they heard the trumpets sounding and the sounding of the music, they were all to bow down before this king, or before this image. But these three, call them the Hebrew children, these Jewish young men, named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these three had distinguished themselves as wise and uh, gifted individuals in the empire, in Nebuchadnezzar's empire. So these are three gifted individuals who had entered into a partnership with God and knew when it was time to disobey, break the rules of the leadership and of what other people were saying. Um, These three men feared God. And the fear of God is not this, oh my gosh, he's going to kill me. The fear of God is a reverential respect for and awe of God. That they had entered into a partnership with God in which they reverenced the relationship. They looked at the relationship that they had with God and they reverenced it and they would not do anything to break that relationship. They were so inspired by their relationship with God that they knew in their heart that they would not want to do anything that would be displeasing to God. Not because of fear of what God was going to do to them, but because they loved him. So they had a partnership. They partnered with God for many years. And now they could not break that partnership. Now, if you think of the circumstances... These three Hebrew children, three Hebrew young men, they weren't children, they were young men, probably in their 20s, maybe 30s. And uh, also in this group is Daniel. All right? Now, when Nebuchadnezzar went and attacked, the Babylonians came in and attacked Israel and conquered uh, Jerusalem, they took the best of the best and took them back to uh, Babylon. And the Nebuchadnezzar's philosophy was you take people from their homeland and bring them back to your 
uh, capital to your, your place your, and, and then um, instruct them in your ways and they will give up their old customs. Well, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not give up their old ways. They believed in the God that had been taught to them even though they were taken from their homeland and placed in a foreign country. So circumstances had not been the best for them. But yet, they made the best of the worst circumstances. That's these three guys. Okay? Now, things are going very well for them, but along comes the king's decree to, to make a gold statue and have everybody bow down. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Things are not going well for you because you've been uprooted from your previous place of your, your childhood and you're in a foreign country and when in Babylon do as the Babylonians. <laughs> when with your friends do as your friends say. <laughs> no. We've partnered with God to give us the strength because God has our best interest at heart even when the circumstances don't look that way. So what happened? They refused to bow down. They disobeyed the king. They disobeyed the orders of a man who was the most powerful man in the world at that time. The most powerful man in the world was King Nebuchadnezzar because he was the king of the Babylonian empire and there was no other empire. So here are these three guys. That sounds like the name of a restaurant. Oh, five guys. Okay, jeez. I thought I had a new restaurant chain. Anyhow, three guys instead of five guys. Three guys <laughs> decide to go against the most powerful man in the world, King Nebuchadnezzar. We're not going to bow down. Hmm. Whoa, what a decision. So, we already read three. Did we read? What did we read? Uh, we went clear up to 19. But if he does not, verse, verse 18, but if he does not, we want you to know. The challenge here is they, needed to, they realized how extensive the partnership was. And we do not need to defend ourselves. Okay? That's that in itself. Did you ever feel like when people challenge you that you always have to defend yourself? Think about this. this when we talk about our relationship with God and the partnership that we have with God, how many times do we, how many times do we have to defend ourselves? Oh my God, somebody's got, somebody thinks wrong of me, whatever, and we have to defend ourselves. The three guys here, did, they said, we do not have to defend ourselves. That is a security in a relationship that we don't have to defend who we are as individuals. We know who we are in the God that we serve. So therefore, we do not, this partnership has established a security in who I am and in my relationship that I don't have to defend myself. You don't have to defend yourself for being you. Why? Because God formed you and knows you intimately. And you never have to defend who you are again. 
we could only live that principle, right? <laughs> if we could only live that principle, that we don't have to defend who we are. We don't have to defend that, you know, our, our, our whatever it is that we have to, we feel insecure about that the three Hebrew children, these guys didn't have to defend themselves. They said, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. And who are they talking to? They are talking to the most powerful person on the planet, King Nebuchadnezzar. They stood before the king and says, king. And now they honored him. They honored the king. They weren't disrespectful. They honored the king. He's, you know, he's king. They honored him. But they told him, we don't need to defend ourselves because we have a partnership with God that we are safe no matter what happens. So we don't need to approach this as our partner has forsaken us. We don't need to approach what's going to happen as if the partner we have in God, the partnership that I have with God, is somehow broken. Think about that security for a moment. What does the Bible say? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Life nor death, principalities nor power, things present, things past, things to come. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's a partnership. The three Hebrew children, these three young adults here, they recognized the partnership that they had with God long before that scripture was ever written. And in long before that scripture was ever written, they had a security that said to the king, we really don't need to defend ourselves. They honored that partnership that they had with God. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. We don't need to defend ourselves. And if we are thrown into the furnace, okay. (laughs) Our God is able to save us. Think about, and then when you look at this, the partnership that we have, communion with Jesus Christ, is that whatever happens in our life Nothing is able to separate us from God. We've got a partnership. And our partner is able to deliver us from anything. Our partner is able to deliver us from anything. God is not interested in the rearranging of circumstances as much as he is in bringing out the best in us. And developing all that that's inside of us, all that all that that was put into us in our mother's womb, all the ingredients, all the prego that's in there, how can you bring out the full flavor? How can you bring out the full person? How can you bring out the full development of who we are as an individual? Is it by rearranging the circumstances so everything goes exactly as we thought it should be? Oh God, thank you for answering my prayers. (laughs) What a wonderful giant I am in you. But have I really changed? Have I really become the man, the woman of God that is best suited so that when this whole thing is over, that I can stand before God and say, I have become the person that you created me to be. 
From the very beginning of time, you knew I would be here. You knew exactly what was inside of me. You knew exactly the circumstances that, were, that I am to face. And I, God, and I together in this partnership am developing and blooming and becoming what God has for me. Trusting the partnership. Trusting the partnership in the but if not. The but if not. It says right here, the but if not. The but if not. That's a, that's a wonderful little phrase, isn't it? If we are thrown into the furnace, the God we serve is able to save us. And he will rescue us from your hands, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods. We will not change who we are, no matter what happens to us. <laughs> we will not change who we are, no matter what the circumstance. See, this is the security that God wants us to have, that we don't have to defend who we are. We know who we are in Christ, and that security is so real and so prevalent to us, it is such an anchor to to who we are as an individual, we never have to defend who we are. God is our partner, and he's the one encouraging us to be who we are. And even if, (laughs) king, they showed honor to the king. You know, we want you to know, oh, king, God is able, the God we serve is able to rearrange him in any circumstance. But if he chooses not to, We're not going to change who we are. We're not going to change the partnership that we have with God. Our end of the bargain, we are not going to let down. And that was an expression of faith. That was an expression of trust. That was an expression of understanding. Nothing will separate me from the love of God. Nothing. Your majesty, (laughs) you know, They did not dishonor God, and they did not dishonor the king. They represented God to the king and would not dishonor God by bowing down or being disrespectful. They honored God by refusing to sin. They honored the king by submitting to his position of authority. You have the right to put us in the furnace, but things aren't going to change. The king immediately commanded them. What's the next scripture we're looking at? What's the next one? What is it? Verse 23? I kind of lost where I was at there. Imagine that. The king commanded. Let's read it up here. You got it there? Daniel 3, 23 to 27. And these three men firmly tied. Read that there. I can't see reading from the side. Next? Do you have the rest of it? No. He leaped to his feet in verse 24. Let me read here. He leaped to his feet. Then what? I don't know. It won't go on, right? I'll read it. 
Verse 24, And the king Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Yes! Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? And they replied, Certainly, O king. It's like we threw three guys in there. Hmm. And he said, Look, I see four men walking in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Wow, what a partnership. What a partnership. You see, when we find ourselves in the greatest of trials, God will not break his end of the agreement. God will not break his end of the partnership. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. When we are in the fire of our difficulties, there is another who is walking with us. And it's interesting how that, what what was burnt up in the fire, the the, the external things that bound them, the external ropes that bound them were the things that were burnt in the fire. And what is it that holds us? What is it that holds us mentally and physically and spiritually? What is it that binds us? And sometimes we need the fire to burn off the things that we don't even know are holding us emotionally, spiritually, physically. There are circumstances that we find ourselves in that we must look around us and know that we have been set free and the external circumstances are gone. But don't forget to look around because you're not in that furnace alone. Because there is a partnership that God has made and has established in the communion. (laughs) The communion? The communion that God has said when you eat this bread and drink this cup, he's showing us an example. An example that I did this for you. I did this for you 2,000 years ago and I will not break my commitment to you. And, and, And I will fulfill it completely to the point in which you will stand with me in the kingdom that is eternal. That is a partnership. That is a promise. That is a promise that God has given us. There was a quote that I was looking at this week, and I try to look at things and try to come up with ideas and quotes and things because... I have, to keep, I have to keep these things in my mind so that I don't allow my thoughts to inter, inter, interfere with the scriptures. And, and this thought was, life is not about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning how to dance in the rain. <laughs> life is not about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning how to dance in the rain. Joel Osteen's quote, it's not your problems, it's your thoughts about your problems. And we find in this verse here, in verse 27, that 26 and 27, 
that and Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, verse 27, and the satraps and prefects, governors and royal advisors crowned, crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was the hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of the fire on them. And then verse 30. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. There is a partnership that God has established with us. And sometimes it's not about getting rid of the storm. Sometimes it's not about how that the challenges of life and the difficulties of life are rearranged. Sometimes it's about us being in the midst of the fire of the furnace because we did the right things. We did the right things for the right reasons. We would not break our partnership with God. And circumstances put us in the fire. And in that place, God is there. I will never leave you nor forsake you. God is here. He is walking with you. How can this where I find myself free me from my thoughts that were destroying and recognize that there is a life-giving person? The person who gave me life, Jesus Christ, is there with me now. That's a partnership that Jesus has established with us. And he knows you better than you know yourself. He knows what's inside of you. And he knows exactly what we can become. And we don't have to defend who we are. We just recognize, I'm in a partnership with God. And that partnership can never be broken. God will never break it because he loves me that much. Amen? Shall we stand?